This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have a friend of the firm, Romy uh, Newman from Fairy God Boss on, and we're going to be talking about Women's History Month. And uh, I've got a ton of questions, and I've got probably one of the most knowledgeable people about the topic uh, actually on the call. So, Romy. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Uh, Would you do us a favor and both introduce yourself and introduce Fairy God Boss? Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me, William. I am the president and co-founder of Fairy God Boss. Fairy God Boss is the largest career community for women. About 10 million women used us in the last year to make connections, seek advice, give advice, look for jobs, and read anonymous job reviews for women by women. And uh, I came to found Fairy God Boss after 20 years in corporate America, where I worked for Estee Lauder, Google, and the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so you learned a couple of things on the practitioner side. I did. And uh, you brought that over to Fairy God Boss, and you've helped a lot, a lot, a lot of women at all stages, I would say. The f- feedback, at least, that I've gotten is uh, pr- people at all different points in their career, women at all different points in their career have, have actually benefited from this. That's the goal. I mean, and, and it is a, it's a hard mandate to try to satisfy the needs of so many different women in so many different life stages and so many different circumstances. But really, our goal is to see how we can help all women um, now in America and one day globally. Right. So Women's History Month. I want to start off with, A, why isn't the entire year Women's History Year? But let's put that aside That's for what a second. I just asked my husband. <laughs> why, why do we have a month? Why, why is, I mean, I, I ask this every year of, of uh, African-American or Black History Month. I ask that every year. I'm like, why is it just February? Like, right. Why aren't we celebrating this stuff, you know, all the time? I'm assuming we have enough content. But like, right. what, why is it just in one, one particular month? But in all seriousness, if not, if we can't make it all year long, um, what should companies do as it relates? Like, what's the corporate side of this, of Women's History Month? Because there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of things that, that, that they can do, but I want to get your take on what they should do as it relates yeah. to women, Women's History Month. Yeah, well, so we're at a really tragic and vulnerable moment, I hate to say, and in the, in the prep you and I were talking about how we, you and I are both fortunate that our kids are in school, but because of both school closures this year and because industries with more women in them were disproportionately financially impacted right. uh, by COVID, we have now returned in the last 12 months, we've lost so many women out of the workforce, we've returned to 1980s levels of workforce participation among women. Well, that's frustrating We're, when you, especially when you add in the pay equity side of things. Exactly. Was exactly. It, what was that December, November, December of the, the jobs that were lost were, it was a high number. I want to say 90. Yeah, it was, to, it was 140,000 jobs yeah. lost and actually all lost by women of color. Oh, wow. I didn't know yes. that. I thought yes. I, I knew it was women, but I didn't know it was women of color. Right. That is horrible. It is horrible. And so, 
you know, what companies should be doing. The, the great news is I've been, I, it's been six years since we found a fairy godboss. I've never seen more energy, more momentum, more investment, and frankly, more uh, specificity around commitments, both to gender equality and to diversity more broadly in corporate America. We really, if that's the first step, we have much more squarely taken the first step than ever before. You're also seeing a lot of high, um, high impact promotions where you have mm -hmm. um, women getting leadership roles and, and people of color getting leadership roles at more and more companies, which is the first thing that matters in so many ways because it starts at the top, right? Um, so... That's fantastic. So then I think the next thing though, I don't, I don't, I am not a cynic. I think companies make these pledges and they want, they really want to live up to them, but it's, there's no silver bullet and it's not easy. And I think one of the first things companies need to do is make some serious investment in the way that they measure both their internal um, demographics of their employees and also their candidate pipelines. Mm -hmm. They're hiring funnel all through the funnel to see if they're not hiring diverse candidates, why not? Where's their fallout and how can they address it? So I think there needs to be some pretty serious technology investments made to better measure uh, the demographics of the employee base and and who's churning and who are we uh, um, recruiting? So you know when we when we when we use that that number of layoffs and then you added uh, the the part that I didn't know in terms of people of women of color. Um, how how could that have happened? Like like it was was it arbitrary? I want to I want to be optimistic. Because I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to go down yeah. the dark path. Was it just arbitrary, and or was it that they didn't have technology to have insight into who there were, yeah. who, who the rifts? Like what? Yeah. So I think the the industries that have flourished have mm -hmm. skewed more toward white men, <laughs> and the industries that have suffered, like like travel and tourism and retails, right. were historically more dominated by women and women of color. Um, but then you add on to it this, this school snafu, right, where two-thirds of schools in this country are still either completely remote or hybrid, which has opened up a, a whole other need for families to provide full-time childcare and, um, let's face it, become teachers, right? And because of the pay gap in this country, in most hetero heterosexual relationships, the higher paid worker is the man. So who exits their job? It's the woman, right? And so that has also contributed. And that's why actually mm. a lot of the job losses were seen in August and September when it became clear right. that schools were not going to reopen. So I think that brings me to another thing companies can do, two, two parts to what companies can do. One is become much more accepting a flex scheduling. I think right. this whole difficult experiment of the last 12 months has helped everybody understand that virtual work can work. Now everybody has to accept and understand that flexible scheduling can work um, because no matter what happens with schools, as long as you've got flexible scheduling, maybe I can't get something done at three o'clock because my kids are coming in to complain about not wanting to do their homework, but I could do it later. <laughs> That's not a real scenario, by the way. Asking just, for a just... friend. Um, <laughs> so 
flexible scheduling. And by the way, um, interesting case study, Zurich in the UK ran an experiment where they added the words flexible and remote and part-time to their job descriptions and saw a 50% increase in the volume of women applying to senior roles. Hmm. Yeah. So it works if you just add those words, right? Right. So that's number one. But then um, number two is I think hopefully all these schools reopen. And so companies are going to have to figure out and get comfortable understanding that they can and will hire someone who's been out of a job for a year or right. two years. That gaps don't matter, especially yeah. during COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, that gaps don't matter. Let me let me ask you, uh, uh, as, as we learn about women's history, right, which is great, I want to talk about ally and allyship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you teach how to be a, a great ally? Like when you talk to, and you know, anyone, anyone that's, anyone to be considered an ally, how do you, how do you coach them to be yeah. a great ally for women? Yeah. So first of all, I think I, I always want to emphasize, I am sitting here because I had amazing men sponsors in my career. Right. No question. And I am so grateful to them. Um, I think they inherently knew that there were certain things they could do to support me. Like right. for example, bringing me into a meeting that I wasn't originally invited to and then giving me the floor to speak. Right. Mm. So they helped shine a light on my capabilities, my skills that otherwise would have not been seen, but they somehow just knew that. I think what is great is our research shows that like 88% of men say they want to be allies. I've got to, you know, I got, I got to give you the list of who the 12% are and you can talk to them. (laughs) But um, like, why isn't that a hundred percent? That is odd. Um, even, even if you're, even if you don't believe in it, why wouldn't you say it? But of those 88%, 54% said, but I don't know how I want to be an ally and I don't know how. So I think, and I think um, I'm a huge, um, you're, you're from Texas. I'm a huge mm-hmm. acolyte of Brene Brown, also from Texas. Yep. And um, one of her, her adages that I've really uh, glommed onto is assume positive intent. Right. And so often what can happen is a woman is maybe spoken over by a male colleague where she isn't, she doesn't have a manager like I have, and she wasn't invited to the meeting. And we don't assume positive intent where I can't believe George, he never brings me to meetings. What is he thinking? That's so mean. Why isn't he bringing me to meetings? When George, it just never dawned on George that he should bring me to the meeting, right? So what we can do is assume positive intent and say, hey, George, you know what would really help me is if you brought me to this meeting, right? Now this, now he knows and he knows how to help me. And also he's probably, I'm helping him because he's going to look better because he's being a very public ally of mine, right? So I think being, being willing to open up the conversation, assuming positive intent and also collaborating, mm-hmm. how can we work together? How can I partner with George on a work project where we both can win together through our collaboration, right? So I think that, yes, we want men to stand up as allies, but I also think we have to help take the lead in showing them what what would help and make make them feel comfortable because it can feel uncomfortable to be an ally. And and we have to make this work because there were more men named Jeffrey who became a CEO in 2020 than women. Right. 
and that's not that's not our future. It shouldn't be our future. And so, for those that that, uh, that are listening, one of the things that I've learned in in discovering how to be an ally is also listening. So being an active listener, so so asking questions and in listening and finding out like, is there so many as you peel the onion of what's what 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 really women go through at work. You start finding out things that you had no idea that were going on. Now, some of it, you, as a man, you you clearly knew and know of, but there's a bunch of things, uh, microaggressions that you that you're not aware of that you need to be aware of. Uh, so, some of that for 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 the for the men that are listening to the show is just you know I would suggest just listen and ask about their experience and uh, don't don't be overwhelmed with all the negative things that you might hear, but but take those as learns. And then I think the, as, as Romy, as you said it, I was thinking about how to, in, how to be inclusive, like, you know, you know, it, it's typical, it's, it has been historically typical that sales guys will go out and play golf, right? And they'll leave a lot of their counterparts not there, not, not playing golf with them, right? Um, and so, you know, one, one, and this is just kind of a simple thing, you know, don't play golf, go do a different activity. Or how like, about, because I can play golf, how about yeah. don't assume yeah, that point. the woman can't play golf? 100%. 100%. Because <laughs> I've had that happen. That's yeah? exactly right. So yeah. it's it's inclusionary in, in that, hey, do you play golf? Uh, if so, do you want to play with uh, you know the folks? Great. If not, hey, you know what? We can do a different activity. Right. I mean, like, like the idea is we're just going to get together and, uh, and bond and talk about, you know, things that are going on both in and out of work. So there's that, but it's, but it's being inclusive in that idea of, of, okay, we're not just going to go off and do stuff by ourselves. Right. The, those days should be over. And, That's uh, right. <laughs> a truly inclusive workforce and, and by the way, if you want to benefit, right, we invest in diversity because it returns to the business. Right. And if you want to reap that reward, you have to practice inclusion, which means you're not having, by default, you're not having outings that not everyone can participate in. So, so again, advice that you've seen from the community, that, that the, the Fairy God Boss community, where, where have you seen some of the highlights of where folks, companies, and, and maybe even managers all the way down to that level, that they get women's history right, like they understand how important it is and how to celebrate it. Yeah, well, I think, I think it is taking the time to celebrate the stories of the women who, who have succeeded and, and have risen through the ranks. Um, and I think it also, though, is about not just how do we celebrate our women employees, but it's about how we, we everyone is going to have to do things radically differently right. if we are going to make any kind of progress. We are on the slowest boat to China right now, <laughs> <laughs> and we have, to, we have to expedite. And so I think the best thing that companies can do is stand up and change the way we pay people, change the way mm -hmm. that we... A reward award promotions, right? Change right. who our leadership committee is and who's involved in that. They change who our board is. Um, without those, we don't we don't want any of these months, whether it's Black History Month or Women's right. History Month or Asian History Month or Latin History Month, whatever we it is. Like, let's not make them window dressing. I think these right. are great. Even you know, to your point, 
even though this should be all day, every day, it is helpful because to have like a specific time of the year to focus in on this. But if we're going to use that time of the year, let's use it to, to do planning and investment and decide what our, what our real tangible um, initiatives will be that will help advance this population in this year. It's, it's interesting that you say that because so much of what I've seen in Women's History Month in, in years past has been the past. Mm-hmm. It's right. been women's suffrage and, you know, kind of a history lesson on what's gone on uh, with women in the, hist- in, in the history of this country, which is great, but I would assume that you learned some of that at least in eighth grade. Yeah. It's, it really should be women's, f- you know, future month like well how do we actually to your point how do you change the dynamic uh, so that we don't have what we have in december like when you're going to make layoffs when you go to do a riff it should be proportionate right you should be looking at the front end of your pipeline your talent pipeline with uh, with diversity and inclusion in mind you should be looking at how people exit in the same way and how people are promoted uh, and internal mobility and you mentioned leadership and the board development like all these things should be looked through the lens of diversity and inclusion and we know they're not but they all should be that's right and that's so right. I, I think i think one of the things that i, I advise some of the the listeners is you know the history lesson is great and celebration is especially great celebrating specific people in your company specific women that have done things in your company that are fantastic i think the more personal you can make that i think that that it, it resonates there's sally and she did this yes, yes. let's take a moment and celebrate that like the, i think that would be fantastic but i also think it's without action without some level of action it is window dressing that's right. And, and so what's great if we're going to do this once a year, next year, we should take a look at the past 12 months. And, and if we can, going back to the measurement, like we first of all have to be able to measure, right? Right. Because <laughs> a lot of companies can't even measure whether they've right. made any progress. So we got to institute the technology that's going to allow us to measure. And then in 12 months, let's see, did we make progress? Right. And if we didn't, why? Like I'm, I'm, Diversity and inclusion, I, I think some pipe, sometimes people are parallels. They know what to do, but they're afraid to do things and fail. Yeah, There's right. a real fear of failure with, with a lot of leaders, both HR and TA. So the, the fear of failure, has we have to somehow uh, replace that with, hey, listen, you're going to fail. Right. So let's say you're going to do a, le- a women's leadership program, and this is the first time in your company you've ever done this bit. You might, you might get it wrong. Right. The first couple of times. Okay. Well, that, right. you know, uh, to try and fail is much better than to not try at all. Right. So uh, I think, I think one of the things is to ease up because I think right now there's a lot of outrage and mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of, and some of it's justified clearly, but some of it's just there because there's, there's nothing else there. And I think that freezes HR and TA into a place of just non-action. Right. Right, right. Which is it's it sounds like mansplaining or excuse making, but it but it is but it isn't. I know women that are in this particular and and people of color that are in this particular position because they they fear making they fear make a, a program bombing. And 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 it's like well that fear is is worse than anything else that could could possibly happen to them. It's like you got to get past the fear because guess what? You run a program and it doesn't work. That doesn't mean you don't run the next program. Right, right, right. So 
last last parting words for uh, Women's History Month. What 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 else? Would, sage advice do you have for folks? I think it is about understanding that flexibility in this environment, flexibility mm-hmm. matters a lot, and w- women employees can still be extremely productive uh, and men. Right. And I think by the way, flexibility is going to matter in the future for all employees. Right. But especially as long as schools are closed, um, we have to be willing to be more flexible so that we don't deal with more attrition because this is attrition, the more attrition that happens, the harder it's going to be for us to walk back from where we are today. I talked to CHRO the other day and she used the phrase radical flexibility. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought it was a beautiful kind of phrase and a beautiful concept of just being able to meet people where they are, be as flexible as you can. And your point about uh, jo- job gaps or, or gaps yeah. in their employment, like, first of all, we, we've got to really kind of care enough to ask the questions like, OK, well, what was going Obviously, something was going on. You know, what well, you know, what was that? And does that really impact whether or not you should get the job or not? You know, uh, again, does that, are you competent? Yes. Okay. Well then, you you know, you were at home during COVID. Fair enough. (laughs) You you made it through COVID, which is more important than anything else. Um, I love this. And you and I could talk about this stuff for hours. So thank you for carving out. I know you're really super busy this, especially this week. Thank you so much for carving some time out for us. Thank you for having me. It's always so good to talk to you. Vice versa. Vice versa. Thanks to the audience for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. And until next time, thank you all. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.